Welcome to the Art of Faith podcast by Granite Creek Studios. I am your host, Joshua Kapczynski, and we're picking up a series on who is Jordan Peterson. I did his first book, uh, 12 Rules for Life, and today we are picking it up on Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. And in this in this podcast, it's chapter two of his book, and that is called Imagine Who You Could Be and Then Aim Single-Mindedly at That. And so he's asking this question, uh, who are you and who who could you be? And I think that's great. I just did a ser- I just did a sermon on identity, and identity is a big issue in our culture these days. Trying to figure out who we are and um, what we want to what we want to do with our lives, finding meaning and purpose. But uh, yeah, the the whole issue of who we are is is so confusing for most people. And Peterson um, begins to unpack not just uh, who you are and asking that question, do you even know who you are? But then he says, uh, use your imagination. Who could you possibly become or who could you possibly be? The image that he begins to center uh, this idea or this question around is the one behind me. And it's a print or it's it's an engraving of a god and this god has two heads. And these two heads, one is one is male and one is female. And then one represents the sun, the other the moon. And it's it's full of uh, symbols and symbolisms. And um, so this is a and it's on a it's on a uh, an orb that has a dragon on it. And this god is standing on the dragon. So very uh, a picture crammed full of symbolism. And, and what does it all mean on who you are and who you could be? It, it has a bit of this yin-yang uh, feel to it, good and evil and light and dark and male and female and the sun and the moon. And so his, and the, of course, I need to remind you that Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist. So like, like he's delving deep into some psychology on 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 who you are and the different sides to you and and he, you know we're we're going to be uncovering some issues or, or some mythological themes and and then he would say that uh, ancient mythology eventually evolves itself into religion and i think there's there's some decent argument for that um so in knowing who you are he will unpack the idea that you've got some light in you and you've got some dark and and I don't know, I don't know if that's necessarily the Christian philosophy. Um, it is if you are not saved, but if you are saved, then your your identity is all wrapped up into uh, the person of Jesus, and you, you don't have to like balance this light side and dark side. Although we know as Christians we do fall prey to um, our flesh and, and everybody sins, and so we we know that. But um, uh, that balance between 
order and chaos. And so that's, again, it falls back into the title of his book, um, Beyond Order and, 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 and Understanding and, and develop, you know, Working Out Chaos. So um, the, the feminine divine or the, the feminine image in, in this image back here, the, the feminine ideal is he would frame it out as chaos. And order is um, represented by the father. And so um, mythological expressions of, of uh, understanding, primal um, images of understanding, uh, place order and security in the father figure where... <laughs> Uh, hopefully, I won't make any 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 ladies mad. Uh, but where uh, chaos is represented by the feminine div- divine. So, um, okay, what does that mean for Christians? Um, uh, not a whole lot, but psych- not a whole lot in the area of spiritual development. But psychologically maybe we can use these archetypes to under, help us understand a little bit of, about ourselves and in more more specifically how we can become uh, the better version of ourselves. Uh, so if you can imagine who you could be and then work single-mindedly at that, um, it means it's going to require uh, a high level of, of courage. Uh, it's going to require discipline, and it's going to require um, a bit of the hero's journey. You've, you've got to be willing to fight the dragon, and if you, you have to be able to fight this beast that, that wants to hold you back. And uh, in order for you to fight the beast, you have to, and this is Jordan Peterson saying this, this is not me saying this, in order for you to fight the dragon, to overcome the beast, um, you have to have order, but you also have to have a little bit of chaos in order to overcome and over, in order to destroy the monster. Meaning that... Um, in a way, you kind of got to get a little crazy in order to defeat the monster. Or another way to look at it is that uh, you've got to be able to bend the rules and break the rules in order to overcome. Now, Peterson will say this, um, and you could say that maybe Jesus would say this, Um um, moral relatives, moral relatives will say this: that uh, at times breaking the rules is good, if the spirit of the breaking of the rules is pure. And so, in this chapter, one of the illustrations that Peterson uses, and so just bear with me here, is that Peterson uses the Harry Potter s- stories. So Harry Potter is, of course, he's a good guy. Um, and 
You know, he values friendship. He values loyalty. He loves the school that he's in. But he finds that inside of this idealistic school that meets many needs that is not being met at home, um, evil is out and evil is lurking. And so Harry and his friends find themselves uh, accessing chaos. They're breaking the rules in order to find uh, the better good or in order to overcome evil itself. And so the spirit of, of you know, Harry and, and the kids, you know, staying out past curfew and playing around with spells that they shouldn't be playing around with because they're too young and not experienced, uh, it eventually does good and they get rewarded for breaking the rules. This might make a lot of people uncomfortable a lot of Christians uncomfortable. Jesus does something very similar. Jesus uh, will break the Torah. He'll break the law in order to communicate a truth. Um, of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, uh, and Jesus wrote the law. And so when Jesus uh, heals on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, and Jesus works, and he works a miracle on the Sabbath. He's breaking the rules, but the spirit of the breaking of the, the rule is good. So um, when we find ourselves um, wanting to become a better version of ourselves, we understand and we know who we are, and maybe that's okay, and maybe that's good, but we see and we want something more. We want to imagine ourselves becoming a better version of ourselves. Uh, or maybe we, we imagine ourselves or God has a plan and purpose that is beyond ourselves. It's going to require us to face and fight the dragons. And it's going to maybe require us to break our own rules in order to do so. So everybody has a set of self-imposed rules or, or ways of being or ways of acting, ways of living. We have our personalities and we have our, our, our set emotional state, our set habits. Uh, we get up at a certain time, we brush our teeth at a certain time, we do this certain thing, and, and, and we don't, Life doesn't change because we haven't changed. And, and so what Peterson is alluding to is that in order for us to change, we really have to force ourselves to rock the boat and, in essence, break our own rules for life. And one of the ways that we do this, and this is what children do, um, one of the ways that we break our own rules is that we imagine that we're somebody else. And... Um, in this, in this case, being fake isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. So think about when you were a kid and when you, when you were at play, uh, when you're at play, you imagine that you are a firefighter or you imagine that you're, you know, a mother taking care of a baby. And so the imagination, um, is, is what's so vital in becoming something else. So we understand that as kids, but as adults, uh, rarely do we activate and engage our imagination to imagine that we can become something else. And 
and that is really that's really one of the keys in, in order to break our rules that are holding us back in order to move forward in, a, in imagining or uh, envisioning something beyond what is what is normal so um what does this picture have to do with it uh meaning that you need to be able to see yourself finding order in the future but even also able to uh, function and adapt to and engage chaos. Another great illustration that Jordison Jordan uses in the book is in um, uh, the Chamber of Secrets. There's quite a few illustrations in this one. In the, in, in the Chamber of Secrets, um, school life is going around as normal, but like there is this um, subterranean evil that's lurking underneath the school in the sewer systems, and it it is um, it's paralyzing students. So students will see uh, an image, and it turn it, it freezes them, and it turns them to stone. J.K. Rowling is definitely. Um, Using the little myth of a zoo, uh, of a Medusa, so whenever you see Medusa, you you turn to stone. Uh, whenever you inherit in, in Chamber of Secrets, whenever you see this monster, whenever you see this snake, it it petrifies you, it freezes you, and that that imagery of being turned to stone whenever we're confronted to evil, um, there's a biological and natural um, uh, impulse for that. And it goes like this. So whenever, whenever an animal, like a deer, uh, you've heard the term a deer gets caught in the headlights. So a deer sees an oncoming car and the headlights, and then it freezes and it can't move. And so that's like that, that fight or flight um, response that isn't activated. So there's, you know, whenever you're confronted with evil, either you run away or you fight it. Um, or you, you, you play possum or you just freeze up and you don't do anything. And so this is the, this is the thing that we really need to go after in order to break rules, self-imposed rules that have held us down and keep us, keep us in bondage. Um, you have to, when confronted with evil, when confronted with the problem, um, we, we need to make sure that we don't, uh, paralyze ourselves that we don't just freeze that we don't um ready for this that we don't procrastinate that we don't say oh i'm just gonna stick my head in the sand so you know when you get a when you get a, a bill in the mail and you get a, you get the envelope and it's i don't know it's it's from the electric company and um, you know that you've been running the air conditioner all summer long, and then you get the electric bill, and you know what's in there. You know that if you open up that bill, it's not going to be fun. And so, what do you do? You just freeze, and that you, and then you just, you know, ignore it, or that you let it, you know, you let it sit there, and things pile up on top of it. So you don't, you don't fight it, right? Um, you don't fight it, you, or you don't try to run away from it. You just completely freeze up and you completely ignore it, and so. Um, that is what the, that's what the monster, that's what the, that's what the devil can do. The devil wants us to freeze. He wants us to be stuck in a, in a state of, of non-action. And, and that's a, 
that could be easily a self-imposed rule that we need to break out of. And, you know, one of the reasons why, why we freeze is because, you know, fighting that dragon is, is hard and, it, and maybe it exposes things that we don't necessarily want to deal with. So, um, that monster, Harry eventually encounters in the sewer systems, this big giant, they call it the basculus. It's, it's a, it's a serpent, big giant snake with teeth. And, um, if it bites you, then, you know, you, you get, you get poisoned and you get, you die. This harkens back to the serpent, uh, in the garden of Eden. So, Rowling is she's basically stealing archetypes. She's stealing stories, and and she steals a lot in this story. And so we've got this big giant snake that's out to to kill um, kill God's kids to you know kill the the little uh, students at Hogwarts. He freezes them. Uh, he wants to he wants to eat them. Uh, he wants to breed evil into the into the the school and so um what takes place is that the snake steals um jenny the the future romantic interest of harry potter and harry has got to rescue her and um he sees the the young girl that has been taken by the serpent and the hero kicks in and he is aided, interestingly enough, by a, a sword. And again, Rawling is stealing uh, imagery. So he's aided literally by the sword of truth. So easily a biblical reference there. And this sword of truth is what um, kills, he uses it to kill the serpent, right? And, and we don't have time to get into St. George. Maybe I'll do that next time. But it's all interconnected to the sword slaying the dragon. And the thing about the dragon and the thing about this beast is it does bite Harry and he's poisoned and he's going to die. And uh, the little girl is on, on you know, she's going to die. I mean, there, it, it, it seems like, like death has won the day. And what, what uh, Rawling does is she introduces into the story the phoenix. Uh, the phoenix who who dies and then is resurrected from the ashes and the tears of the phoenix um, overcomes the evil and over and, and heals Harry and overcomes death itself and so um, the the phoenix uh, specifically throughout medieval literature the phoenix represents uh, Jesus and Jesus's resurrection. And so this is what is being introduced into this Harry Potter story is that there will be uh, an, an image or an entity that resurrects and overcomes uh, evil and overcomes death and heals the situation. So a lot crammed into um, uh, who you are, um, your dark side, and then light overcoming your dark side, the whole redemption story and salvation, and, um, and resurrection, all right there. And from this whole experience, um, Harry becomes a better person.
he he definitely after this he goes up a few notches once he was a silly little schoolboy um you know playing around horsing around he's becoming more of a young man and he's definitely becoming more of a hero and not only does he overcome the serpent he overcomes Voldemort in that series in that scenario uh and he 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 really begins to shine he he chose not to freeze he chose to fight he chose to change um in, in some ways he didn't like himself the way that he was before but now he's reimagining himself into becoming a greater hero to my right i have a painting it's actually a drawing of portrait of a young woman by a very important American artist named John Paul Jones. Now, there's no way I would ever have had the opportunity to have a John Paul Jones in my possession. Uh, you can Google him. He's got his own Wikipedia page. Like He's a, he's a really important uh, artist in the mid-century. And uh, the reason why I acquired the portrait of the young girl by John Paul Jones is that uh, she's a friend of mine, and she donated this artwork uh, to our studio for us to sell. So you can buy it if you want. I'll, I'll give you a screaming deal. Um, but you could actually own a piece of art by an important American artist. Um, it's a large piece, 21 inches by 31 inches. Um, charcoal on paper. So you know, obviously it's got a, a paper feel to it, uh, and it is in good to fair condition. If it was um, if it was one of his other works, the, some of his works uh, commanded ten to thirty thousand uh, dollars. Unfortunately, not this piece. I've I've submitted it to uh, all the major auction houses on this side of of the of the country, and. Uh, so we'll be we'll be commission we'll be uh, sending it to auction hopefully fairly soon, uh, but it's not going to receive the 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 figure that I was hoping. So for lucky we'll get like five hundred bucks out of it. And so if you want to cut the auction house out of the deal, I'll sell you this um, this piece by a famous artist for five hundred bucks. But the reason why I'm showing it to you right now is that I want I want to tell you the story uh, behind the portrait. So, the portrait is of a friend of mine, and she gave me the piece to sell for the studio uh, because she doesn't like she doesn't like it. Um, she just said that's I don't like it. It's dark. It's depressing. That's not who I am. And she's like, and I've always hated this painting. And the only reason why we've kept it is because my mom was an artist, and you know she begged this artist to do it for her to to and to draw this this portrait of of me. And so now that mom's gone, I have the freedom to get rid of it. And and so she she doesn't like it because she doesn't view herself in this light uh, or in this lack of light. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a very dark charcoal uh, painting and the kid's got a big giant head and it feels distorted and she just doesn't see herself that way. And I could imagine um, growing up 
you know, at this age. And then, you know, all of a sudden this famous American artist says, yeah, here's a portrait of you and, and you don't like it. And it's almost like you're stuck with this image and like this image of, of you by this painted by this authority is like you're supposed to accept it. And, you know, is this really who I am? Am I, you know, and am I really, do I really look like this? Am I, you know, she's like, am I really this ugly? And the truth is she imagined herself being, you know, like this girl's clearly sad. She imagined herself, and this person is the exact opposite of what this image is trying to portray. This this image is trying to portray a depressed, uh, melancholy, downcast young girl. Uh, I don't know if my friend was melancholy when she was this age. I just know that she is not now. She is the most positive, energetic, uh, life-giving, life-loving person, adventurous person I know. She's anything but depressed. Um, and she always has something positive to say. And so that's the, that's the importance of uh, imagining who you can be and working single-mindedly at becoming just that. So let me wrap it up with this. First major question is, do you know who you are? Do you know your identity? And then even a more important question, who do you want to become? And in who you want to become, do you have the courage to imagine yourself that and even play at that? Like, like even act it out. So not just imagine who you could be, but begin to behave like who you think you would want to become. And again, that might take a little bit of chaos because you might have to break your own rules. You might have to break your own personality. You might have to break your own character traits. You might have to break your own behavior and your break your own habits. And so you might have to stir things up and make things a little crazy in order to become who you could imagine yourself being someday. And, uh, and it takes courage. And when dragons present themselves, um, I want to encourage you not to freeze. I'll just encourage you to fight that dragon. Open up that bill, problem solve it, figure out how to overcome it, figure out how to pay it, figure out how to uh, become the better person. All right, with that, um, I, I hope... It was an inspiration, and uh, that's rule number two for beyond uh, beyond order. God bless you guys, and uh, I'll see you next time on the Art of Faith podcast.